As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Crack of the bat was loud today. Welcome to No Bunts, the podcast for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Baseball Show. I'm Taz Mills in studio in Atlanta. The man making the magic happen, making that crack of the bat happen. It's super producer JD. <laughs> Hello. What's up, JD? My headphones are just loud. Oh, but sorry. Nah, that's, that's not you. I love hearing a loud crack of the bat. And so does my co-host in Taiwan all season long. It's Joel McMillan. Joel, what's up? I'm doing well. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, beautiful Dodger Stadium behind you today. Taz, good eyes. You nailed it. I feel that's a giveaway. <laughs> I saw a cool it picture. Is. I saw a cool picture of Dodger Stadium on Instagram yesterday. I was like, I'm gonna use Dodger Stadium for the show today. So here we are. Thanks. Yeah, I usually go a little obscure. Make me look a little dumb trying to figure <laughs> it out. Um, today you gave me a, a, a no doubter. I gave you a meatball task and you nailed it. <laughs> We played some beer league softball. You tossed that baby right up. <laughs> I, I hit a line double, at least. I'm not a home run hitter. Okay. Um, anyways, Joel, we had a great week in baseball this week. It was fantastic. Some great plays. Absolutely great plays. Uh, we'll get into some of that. We are going to talk about random baseball formats in history because we were sort of amazed uh, by a couple that we saw that we talked about off air. We're going to talk about the worst fantasy punishments in a new segment called Story Time. I got a ball here. It's in a case. Uh, if you're here, and I'm going to pull that out a little bit later when we talk about Jose Batista and King, King Felix's team ceremonies. But let's start with the best five things in baseball from the past week. Joel, we had another walk-off bunt. Phenomenal stuff. A walk-off bunt, the second of the season. It was a terrible 72 hours for the Mariners. Three crushing losses, back-to-back extra innings losses included in those, and a ninth inning loss as well. Um, So it sounds like I'm celebrating the Mariners stinking it up, and I am uh, because the Royals bunted them off. I think that should be a saying. They bunted them off. Uh, I love a walk-off bunt. It's no bunts. We've got to celebrate. It's the second of the season. It's a very, very, very rare occurrence in baseball, both from the Royals. Fermin did it earlier this season than Monday 
after the Mariners came roaring back, this, this is what makes it crushing, over the 8th and the ninth, they erased a 5-0 lead, and they took the lead themselves. They're up 6-5, but bottom nine, the Royals tied it, and then Dyrone Blanco pushed a bunt up the first baseline to score the winning run from third. The broadcasters were even calling it watching this one. Oh, he loves to bunt. He loves to bunt. But he put it down right at the last second. He pushed it hard up the first baseline. First baseman couldn't handle it cleanly as he tried to rush because he knew he was trying to, to throw it home. The second this season, as I said, according to Elias Sports Bureau, it's happened 21 times in the last 20 seasons. That's it. Basically, we're getting one per. No hitters happen way more often, Joel. First question, am I celebrating this way too much? Or are, are we celebrating it way too much here at, at No Bunts? Or is it just it's just fun because it's kind of old school baseball? It's all the above, Tess. I mean, it's fun. It's exciting. It's rare. I was watching that game because uh, the Jays were off last night and Seattle is uh, very close on their heels. So this was an important game, obviously a Mariners fan as a Jays fan. And it was such a tale of two games because Brady Singer had dominated the Mariners. I think he had a no hitter going through seven innings and then the bullpen kind of came apart late. Seattle took the lead and then it swung back and the Royals ended up walking them off. It felt like a playoff game. You know, obviously the Royals are have long been out of it, but in the ninth inning, fans were standing up, cheering, clapping. You know, Kauffman Stadium was loud. That felt like a playoff game. It was such a crazy finish considering what happened, you know, to the Mariners, like you said, on Saturday and Sunday night with some tough losses as well. But, yeah, I mean, it was cool. And as soon as it happened, I texted the group chat. I was like, oh, my gosh, another uh, walk-off button. Like you said, it's crazy that the Royals – have done it twice this year. Yeah, Royals fans have had things to cheer about uh, last month with mm. Bobby Witt. Uh, and yeah, there was a, a good vibe there. I know you're watching that game. You're also watching another Mariners heartbreak, as we said, three consecutive losses in the ninth inning or later. Uh, the Cedric Mullins show against the Orioles prior to that, uh, that was ridiculous. Joel, take us through what happened with Cedric Mullins. What a show. Yeah, so he's just come back recently. He was on the uh, injured list for a couple weeks there. And the Orioles had taken the lead late in the ninth inning on a, I don't want to say it was a controversial bot call. Um, you know, going over Reddit, some of the social media people kind of seemed divided on that call. But anyway, Baltimore took a late lead. And then, yeah, Ty France hit what looked to be the game-tying home run, and Mullins brought it back, and there were two out bottom of the ninth. And then Dominic Canzone hit an absolute no-doubter to tie the game up. And then the Baltimore ended up winning it in the 10th. Cedric Mullen hit uh, what turned out to be the game-winning two-run home run. Just an absolute crazy finish. And Tass, you said it was a bad 72 hours. It almost turned into a bad 96 hours for the Mariners because they blew another game late last night. Now they ended up pulling it out in extra innings. But uh, yeah, it's been a frustrating kind of couple games for the Mariners. I saw a lot of Mariners fans complaining, why did we trade our closer, Paul Seawald? You know, like he'd be perfect in the situation. So it's been a tough couple games for the Mariners, but previous to that, they'd won eight games in a row. They're back in the wild card. I think it looks worse than it is. It's just really, you know, three soul-crushing losses. But yeah, that Orioles game Sunday afternoon was absolutely nuts, that finish. I've never seen anything like that in a baseball game before. Yeah, for Mullins to pull that one back from over the wall. And then go into extra innings and hit a home run himself. 
That was uh, some great stuff. As we were saying offline, you, you said it offline, you, you never know what you're going to see in a baseball game. You always see something new, and for him to do both those things. And and that was a mm-hmm. real go-over-the-fence, pull-it-back Yeah, uh, home run. There's a great photo. I think it's an AP photo of Mullins literally over the wall and uh, bringing that thing back, and everyone's surprised uh, that he was able to mm-hmm. do that. So, yeah, that guy's uh, – Heck of a player, obviously. Great to see him back. And as you said, you said it on uh, our No Bunts Instagram account. Jump on over there. Great conversations that you're leading there, Joel. The Mariners, yes, very tough, very tough finishes <laughs> over the weekend, but still in the wild card uh, hunt and a position to uh, to secure one. So great stuff uh, for us, anyways. Uh, no Bunts getting another yeah. walk off. Uh, so fun stuff there. All right. Also fun stuff. We have an MVP race in the National League. We didn't think that would happen, Joel. It looked like Ronald Acuna here in Atlanta where I'm sitting and I have been enjoying very much, was running away with it. But Freddie Freeman is a machine. He truly is. And it looked like there was a pretty big gap at the All-Star break. You know, still could respect Freddie's numbers, obviously. He still looked good. But he has closed the gap. Do you think he's closed the gap enough, Joel, to overtake Ronald Acuna at this point, though? I would say so. Really? Um, just, yeah, I just quickly comparing their stats, Tass. So I, I use fan graphs. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just what I use. And so they're both ranked as negative defenders. So that's kind of a wash. Obviously, Acuna has the steals. But then when you look, for example, their weighted runs created plus uh, Freeman's is 170 and Acuna's is 167. So just a difference of three. Their war is almost identical. Freddie's got a 6.0 war and Acuna's a 6.1. Uh, Freddie's got 23 home runs. Acuna's got 26. Freddie's hitting 339. Acuna's hitting 337. And Freddie's oh, well, those numbers is... those numbers have changed since last night, Joel. Acuna's, okay, what, whatever. They always slightly. they're flipping but they're, and flopping. But I mean. Yeah, they're pretty much neck and neck. So then it comes down to, like, I think this is exciting because it's kind of like, it's hard to make a case for either one. I I don't think it's as cut and dry as, well, Acuna's got a lot more steals, so he's a slam dunk. I don't think so. I think they're they're obviously very different offensive players, but they're both having great seasons. I really don't know who I would give it to at this point. I'd probably lean towards Freeman just because going back to, well, if you took each player off their team, how good or bad would they be? And Atlanta's just so deep. And I know you can't – that shouldn't hurt Acuna's chances or fault him, but I just think if you took Freddie off the Dodgers, they're a much, much different team. So in the vein of, like, most valuable player, I'd probably lean towards giving it to Freeman, but I could absolutely see a case for Acuna, and I, I wouldn't say you're wrong. I can't believe how close the numbers are uh, across the board mm-hmm. in, in terms of the average on base percentage and then OPS uh, because they are just having incredible years and they're neck and neck. I think anecdotally Acuna's got a, a little bit more going for him, I would say. I, I think just because you see some of the steals, you see some of the – the flashy plays, you see some of the pitcher turns his back and Acuna grabs that extra bag. And so there's a little bit more of those moments later on in the season if you're evaluating it that way. But if you're evaluating it by the numbers, as you said, it's really close. I don't understand how 
some of these sites, like you said, Fangraphs versus Baseball Reference, they evaluate war differently or, or they calculate it differently. I don't get it because the community is running away uh, with war over Freeman, as you said. Uh, it's different on, on Fangraphs, but he's running away with it on Baseball Reference. Why don't we get our, our ducks in a row? Or maybe Fangraphs is the is the Bible. I don't know. But all, all that to say, do numbers make it a little bit more of a boring conversation when it comes to the MVP like is it a little less fun to talk about it because you can basically just say yeah well Mike Trout's got got a better war he deserves to win it simply because he adds more uh, to his team well I kind of think those are two different questions you're asking I mean are, are you saying should we just base it on war or like our statistics overrated um all baseball is completely just predicated on stats. It has been, you know, since its inception, obviously the evolution of how those stats are used to judge performance has evolved over time. Um, No, I don't think it's as simple as giving it to the player with the highest war. I think it's a bit more nuanced than that. And if you look at previous MVP votes, um, there's been plenty of MVPs who've won it and who were maybe second, third, or even lower in war for that matter. So, yeah, it's a bit more complex than that. But, yeah, I mean, you need – like, how else are you going to uh, evaluate a player and and their performance during the season? Like, what else could you really use at this point? It's a question for you, Tess. I don't know. Uh, the brightest colored elbow pads or shin pads, <laughs> and that goes to Ronald Acuna uh, for sure. Well, yeah. Lock you, it I, in. Uh, I, uh, well, I appreciate that it's – it's both. I think it, it like the moments have to play into it. Um, yeah, obviously team performance, obviously stats. Uh, I appreciate how you're you're saying that all of them matter um, because otherwise, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's just boring to just give it to the top player when it comes to war. Uh, and as you said, that's this is the podcast for the casual fan, so it's good to know that the last few years, several years, it doesn't go to the, just the person with the highest wins above replacement. It can go to someone else. Yeah. Well, Tess, let me ask you. I mean, who, like, if you had a vote here, I know you love your Braves. You know, but Freeman <laughs> was a Brave. I know Freddie's your boy, too. So <laughs> you're kind of in a tough position. But if you had a vote right now, like, who, like, I'm leading towards Freeman, but who would you vote for? I'm still giving it to Ronald Acuna. Um, okay. Le- yeah. Leading the league in, in on base percentage. Very, the numbers are, again, are, are really, really similar. Uh, he shouldn't be punished because he's on a better team. Um, and I agree. Uh, but yeah, the the numbers are literally almost identical across the board. Um, mm-hmm. in, in in a lot of categories, and not not in not in some categories. And and our man Ronald has slowed down in terms of the uh, the forty forty. Like now now everyone mm-hmm. everyone's given is saying okay thirty sixty is is where he'll he'll, he'll land and that's pretty amazing because he is leading the league yeah. in, in stolen bases with fifty five and at twenty seven homers uh, you know he'll he'll surpass thirty but it's very unlikely he's going to do the forty forty leading the league in runs um, and leading the league in caught stealing which is really really important because he's been caught stealing nine times he's going for it Joel. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Just like you go for it with your valuations. All right, let's move on. Uh, yeah, we're, we're. you said I'm a Freddie Freeman man. I'm a, a Ronald Cunha man. Yeah, I get to go to the ballpark here in Atlanta, but I'm a Jays fan through and through. And that brings us to a couple players honored by their respective teams this past week. 
Jose Batista signed a one-day contract, and his name was put up in the level of excellence in Toronto. He had a run, just quickly. Nine and a half years with the Jays, six-time All-Star, 288 home runs in that span. That's pretty great. And the bat flip heard around the world, of course. And Felix Hernandez was inducted into the Mariners Hall of Fame. King Felix finally said he's truly, truly retired last month. So it was time for Coronation Day. He pitched 15 seasons with the Mariners. One of five pitchers in baseball history to throw more than 2,500 innings and have more than 2,500 strikeouts with one franchise. He's still only 37, so there was you know a little little rumbling. Is he going to come back even though he hasn't pitched for a couple of years? So, uh, Joel, I know that you um, are a Jose Batista fan. I know you you may have got a little sentimental uh, watching Jose Batista put up in that level of excellence. I don't know how you feel about the level of excellence in, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird to, it's kind of weird to say, um, but overall the Jose Batista experience for you, how was it? I was emotional to ask, you know, he's, he's my favorite blue Jay. We've talked about it on a previous show. Uh, it's deserving. I think everyone knew this was going to come. He's had his iconic moment, obviously with the bad flip as did King Felix, with his perfect game. Uh, You know, as a Jays fan, Batista is a lot more important than I think a lot of people give him credit for. You know, like you said, he, he came to this team kind of in obscurity. He was, you know, there wasn't really much talk about him when he came over. He was traded for, I think, cash or player to be named later. And yeah, he blossomed into this mega star. But Tass, that that 2015-2016 run like that attracted so many new fans to Blue Jays baseball. And that's kind of the next generation that you see at the park and who are passionate Jays fans that have turned so many of those people into casual fans to real fans. And every fan base needs that. And and Jose Batista was the guy. And I saw that talked about in a report on him and that I can't understate that. I mean, for all the great things he did on the field, I think he's a Toronto sports icon. It's unfortunate that he fell short. Uh, but I think the ceremony was awesome. I think he's a very classy guy. I know he's a classic baseball villain, but when you watch him, you know, when you watched him gave his speech, it was very heartfelt. He loves being a dad. So it was just great to see. And he definitely belongs on that level of excellence. He's one of the most iconic Blue Jays of all time. A level of excellence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's a, a huge ballpark. Numbers retired for other sports. Um, but when it comes to, uh, baseball, you just got to throw it up on, on the ribbon. It's just up there. It's sort of up there and that's cool. That's fine. So that honor, as well as uh King Felix's honor, it brought up a question for us and you throw it up, threw it up on Instagram, which was a really good question. If your player, you're a fan, uh, sorry, uh, your, your team has a player that's in both Cooperstown and has been honored by your team, which means more to you. And I'm surprised, looking at the poll on Instagram, that it's almost 50-50. Franchise has a, a, a little bit uh, of a lead on Cooperstown, but it's 56-44. How, where do you land? Which which means more to you? To me, I like as a Blue Jays fan, like we only have one, and I believe it's Roberto Alomar and... You know, I kind of have mixed feelings about that. Um, but to me, like, I would be more meaningful to see him go in, uh, like, the being inducted into the franchise, like the level of excellence for me as a Blue Jays fan, because 
you share that connection with that player. Like that's not something you need to share with other fan bases. I feel like it's just kind of a closer relationship, a closer dynamic. So I think it's more meaningful to see a player get inducted into to the franchise hall of fame. Obviously it's amazing, you know, in Cooperstown and you see a player get inducted from your team. I mean, sure. Like, absolutely. How could you not enjoy that? But in terms of like being more meaningful, I mean, like Jose Batista was ours. I mean, I know he played for a couple other teams, but you know, we claim his claim him as ours and you know, he sees himself as a blue Jay and it's, I, I just, yeah, I, I think it's meaningful. And I think if you ask a lot of fans, I'm not surprised it's close in the vote test, but I would, I, you know, I would wager to say that fans probably see the franchise one being, being a bit more meaningful, but that being said, how do you feel? What's more meaningful to you as a fan? Um, I would say uh, the the dogs agree with you, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you can hear them barking <laughs> in the background, but they say franchise, franchise, franchise. And I got to agree with you. Uh, I visited Cooperstown. Uh, I know you say Robbie Alomar is the only Blue Jay, but I took a photo beside uh, Paul Molitor's bust. Um, I claim him, but obviously he's not. You, know, you don't think of him as a Blue Jay first and foremost. Uh, mm-hmm. but yes, it's, it's far less, uh, sentimental guttural, like the, the emotion isn't there. you saw Jose Batista put up in that level of excellence, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it, it, it means far more. It, it, yeah. There's, there's less yeah. emotion involved when you're, you're sitting beside those busts in Cooperstown, although it's, you know, it, it really fun to walk around, but, um, yeah, it, it's. Yeah, it hits more at home, um, just like Jose yeah. Batista said. Uh, you know, there, there's just that connection. Like he said, this city really embraced me, and, and people outside of Toronto may say, yeah, players say that. But you know that really happened in, in Toronto, and, uh, and and there was that connection. Although I will say, I hope he does. Well, he's, you know, he's, not, he's, not, he's not Cooperstown bound um, at this point, but it would be great for me if he was Cooperstown bound because I do have a signed ball from him uh, sitting here with me. It's always in, it's in this plastic case, and I was reminded of it um, when he was honored. It's a, it's a little difficult to pull out. I don't know how I pulled it out that quickly. The signature is fading on this ball. I don't even remember how I got it. No certificate of authenticity. You can barely see it. Uh, there we go, J.D. We're, we're showing it to you here in the Classic Factory. Jose Batista and his number. Nice. Yeah. It's fading, though. I think i got to put put it in a better case because the air is getting to it, I think, Joel. Uh, Get think- that in a humidor, task mm. ASAP. <laughs> got to lock it up. Um, all right. Great <laughs> stuff. Great stuff uh, by both Seattle and, and Toronto to make that happen. And, uh, yeah, the mural of the bat flip that was also painted this week in Toronto and, and Jose Batista visited with his uh, his fam. Also very cool. Uh, like to see that in person. Yeah. And congratulations to both guys. I, I yeah. still watch. We knew we weren't going to talk about King Felix. We knew we were going to talk about Jose Batista. No, just, but just really quickly, yeah. I, I don't want to be total homers, but I watched the Hernandez ceremony, and it was amazing. The video was really cool. It it mirrored his timeline while, they, while there was like a blacksmith working on a crown, and it showed his whole career highlights, and at the end – there was a crown made for him and he came out. The video production was cool. It's just like, I, I loved watching Felix Hernandez pitch like as a baseball fan. I just didn't have that emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Like it was cool to see and tears were shed. And I know for Mariners fans and his teammates and all that, it was special, but 
you know, like you just don't have that connection. It was cool to see, but I, yeah, it was very different from Batista. Yeah. And unfortunately, Jose Batista was at least involved with some form of winning. Uh, there, there was some playoff performances there and Felix Hernandez, even though it was 15 seasons and obviously phenomenal, we went through the stats. There wasn't much winning. And so it was a, a level of obscurity as far as, you know, the, the fans outside of Seattle, I would say, uh, the mm-hmm. fans, the fans uh, uh, across baseball. Uh, so that part, uh, unfortunate, obviously. All right, moving on. Uh, somebody who was the next bis- big thing, excuse me, the next big thing a long time ago was back with the Astros. John Singleton is back with the Astros. He was in Houston and was the next big, big thing with them a long time ago. He signed a five-year deal before he made his MLB debut in 2014. But it went bad over the next few years. Poor performance, drug suspensions, and ultimately a 2018 release. It's been a long road back. Now, he was with the Brewers earlier this season, but he was DFA'd. The Astros signed him up. He played in the minors, and he was called up August 8th. He's played several games now with the Astros. Joel, how pumped were you when you heard this news about Singleton? Yeah, this was awesome. I re- I had no idea about this story until I saw that he uh, had hit the home run and it kind of blew up over social media. You know, Tass, a lot of people want to bag on the Astros for the things they've done in the past, but kudos to them for giving Singleton this opportunity, for sticking with them. I mean, this was a guy that, you know, like you said, was drafted with Houston. They paid him. Uh, it didn't work out. His career kind of went south. And they had all the reason to just basically cut ties and never deal with this guy again. So really, you know, like credit where credit's due, good for Houston for giving him another opportunity. And it's kind of bittersweet to see this. Like, it's great that he's getting a second chance. He's obviously not over the hill, but, you know, several of his prime years have been wasted, you know, due to this. Obviously, attitudes are changing towards marijuana use. You'd said drug suspensions. It was due to his uh, marijuana usage, and he was open with that publicly. You know, he spoke about that. and But at the same time, like, it was still a banned substance. Uh, this is always kind of the, the difficult situation with this is, you know, people don't really care about it one way or the other, but still a rule is a rule, and you have to follow it. So it's kind of tough in that sense. But either way, like, he's worked extremely hard to come back. It's great to see. And Tess, I don't know how the Astros do it, but they just seem to be able to pick these guys out of obscurity. They did it early with JP France. We talked about it. And now with Singleton, it's just kind of next man up with that team. And they're just great success stories. And, you know, kudos to him, you know, for never giving up on his dream and coming back. And it's just awesome to see. And with Jose Abreu on the IL. He'll get some time. He's going to get a shot. No, he hit that home run. He had a three-hit game, but that's unfortunately the only game that he's got hits in 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 his seven games played um so i wonder if Desti's gonna play him uh when abreu comes back because he seems to be dedicated to uh, jose abreu so that'll be interesting if he'll get the shot uh like france did as you mentioned on the hill who's was called up from the minors uh as an older player and has still done it still doing it uh, yeah, they, he's, he like you said, um, they find guys. Uh, so with Abreu out, he's got uh, an opportunity. So we'll see what Dusty Baker does. A, a little other, a small other story with uh, the Astros I found pretty interesting. Your man Kyle Tucker, uh, he used to go 
old school in the batter's box, never put on batting gloves. Very rarely. He said when it was cold, he put on batting gloves. But he was originally, he was just, just grab the bat, old Rance Mullinex style, uh, and, and go up and hit. And he had a, a pre-pitch routine where he'd step out after every pitch, bend over, grab some dirt, and put it between his hands. It was just kind of a rhythm thing to catch his breath, and then he'd step in. But with the new pitch clock, he's he's tried it. He's tried to make it work, but he's even tried to speed it up, but he said it's too fast, and he gets in there, and he kind of loses his breath a little bit. And so he's going to batting gloves now full-time, uh, so he doesn't have to do this. And, uh, you know, you can look at the stats and say, oh, the batting gloves are working. He's been awesome since uh, it's been you know over, I think it's like two months now. Um, and he's been awesome. But he, he was also awesome before that without the, uh, the batting right. gloves. So it really hasn't made much of a difference. He hit a bomb yesterday to seal the win against the Marlins. Uh, and there's a great story on it written by Ch- Chandler Rome on The Athletic. Best sports writing in the world. If you want to read that, theathletic.com slash baseball show or theathletic.com slash no dunks to sign up. Because it's a cool little story. Um, you know, when you get in, that's what baseball is all about. The details. And uh, it's pretty fun. I don't know how you feel about your man, Kyle Tucker. Your, your pick for 40-40 before the season, his 23rd homer, he's probably not going to reach it. But uh, cool little story. Yeah. I still think he's got a shot. I I don't know how many stolen Whoa. bases he has. You're a wild man. You think he's going to get 17 dingers in the last 40 games of the season or whatever it is? That's. I think he could go. Could he go 30-30? Sure. I don't. I got. I got to okay. check his steals, but I assume. Yeah, he's no problem. No problem doing that. Let, let me give you. This. I'll take a 30-30. You'll take a 30-30. <laughs> uh, he's he's 23 and 24 right now. So yeah. He's got a legit shot. Yeah. He's got a legit shot. Uh, baseball is exciting because stolen bases are happening. And that brings us to our last point here in the top five things from baseball this past week. MLB attendance is up 9.3% this season. We looked at it at the end of May. MLB put out their info saying weekends have been awesome at the ballpark. April and May during school. Okay, sure. So it's it's increased, but it's carried over after May. Into June, it was up 8.2% at the All-Star break. But July and August are here. That's baseball time, baby. So MLB got another bump. It's up to 9.3%. It's a trend league-wide. 24 of the 30 teams have had an increase in attendance. An average of 2,424 more fans per game throughout the entire league. That's a real number. That's, That's a big number. And overall we've talked about it before with the pitch clock and more steals it's simply because mlb has adapted uh, to the time it's faster more action and i love this chart on mlb.com from anthony castro vince because he pointed out if you go day by day attendance numbers have increased the most on tuesday wednesday and thursday which speaks to me which 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 just says to me People know that baseball is faster and that they can get home on a weekday when they got to go to work mm-hmm. or, or kids have to go to school. Monday's up 5%, you know, year over year. Tuesday's up 14%. Wednesday's up 12%. Thursday's up 12%. Uh, and then Friday's up 7%. So to me, obviously, the rules are working because people want to see more baseball, Joel. Yeah, that's that's a great stat to point out, Tess. You know, we've we've talked about this as well. 
it's a more exciting product. It's faster. It's just the presentation's much better. Like you said, it's quicker. People can get home at a reasonable time. But also beyond that too, Tass, like adding the extra wildcard team is, I feel like is also closely connected to, you know, why attendance has gone up. You know, for so many years, you know, within I should say within the past maybe five, six, seven years, you had a lot of teams tanking. And so there were fewer teams in contention. But now with the extra playoff teams and, you know, Philadelphia kind of had that Cinderella run last year. It's exciting. You know, even if you're three or four games out, you know, you're you're not out of it by any means. So you've still got all these teams kind of hanging around playing competitive meaningful baseball and even the interleague series you know i feel like a couple years ago was more of like a novelty thing if you were like a a chicago transplant you know living in boston and the cubs came to town like once every three or four years it was really cool you could cheer on your home team from your new city but you know you can do that now but also the games are meaningful you know all these interleague games they mean a lot you know for both teams and it's just exciting to watch and i feel that not too many teams are really truly out of it. And that's also a big reason why you're seeing a higher attendance as well. It's absolutely a reason. The increased playoff spots, for sure. We saw it at the deadline, even. Mm-hmm. We, did, we didn't know. We didn't know like who is buying, who's selling. Uh, there, there were just uh, so many more buyers uh, because they had a shot. Um, you know, So that just proves that mm-hmm. teams are, are more into it, uh, fans directly because of that are more into it as well i want to point a few comments out from the bleacher creatures who are watching on youtube ziggy says instant success i like the game much more and you can see that in the stats eric harper says 9.3 is significant in terms of an attendance bump i totally agree and lawrence c brings up a good point that i was definitely thinking about when looking at the tuesday wednesday thursday bumps in attendance numbers he writes Looney dog factor. And for those who don't know, oh, yeah. uh, uh, in Toronto, Tuesdays, hot dogs are a dollar, which is also known as a loony in Canada, at the ballpark. So I, I was also thinking, like, what's going on here? Are just deals? Are there just deals going on on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? But if it's league-wide, I, I just said, nah. Uh, I, I, I figure that the numbers are totally legit, although – Lawrence brings up a good point. Numbers are up. Numbers are absolutely up in Toronto on Tuesdays because of the loony dog factor. And we talked about our group chat. Actually, because Tuesday was yesterday, our man Gavin put in a a, a little poll. What do you put on your hot dog when you go to the ballpark? Um, And I know you've got a controversial controversial condiment. Um, selection. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. For me, it's not controversial, but for the casual fan, for the casual hot dog fan, it might be. What (laughs) what do you put on your dog, Joel? These were all toppings I put on that were made available to me getting street meat in Toronto. So I don't really see how it's controversial, but I'll put mustard, hot sauce, cheddar cheese, uh, bacon bits and green olives on a hot dog, and I will destroy that in my sleep. I didn't see. Holy, you're a five-tool hot dog player. I didn't see five condiments coming from you. I thought it was just olives and mustard, but you come with the cheddar cheese drop and the bacon bits drop. Jeez, uh, you have to. JD, you have to. Yeah, he's totally. Dre- I forgot about the Toronto street meat 
yeah. options because yeah. there is cheese. Mm-hmm. People are putting mayo on their hot dogs, cheese, mayo, bacon bits, all that stuff. But I forgot about the green olives. Sauerkraut is one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wow. I, even a street meat, like it's I'm a mustard man, maybe some onions, like fresh chopped onions. And sometimes ketchup if I'm feeling, you know, like I, like I want to harken back to when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Just wow. keep it simple. I like my glizzies. <laughs> simple. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about hot dog stands on the corners in Toronto, yeah. which is an experience. Rival New York's for sure. Oh, 100%. Um, oh, yeah. But at the ballpark, I assume the condiment selections, it's pretty standard. It's ketchup, mustard, relish. I don't think it's much more than that. You would know better than me, Tess. Yeah, I haven't been. I, yeah, I've been, been in a while. It has been a minute, um, but I didn't, I didn't know I was opening up a can of condiment worms here. Um, everybody jumping in, great stuff here in uh, JD. With I mean, that's a whole other show. We're just talking oh. hot dogs and glizzies, and, and uh, I can Tess. I can absolutely talk about condiments for an entire afternoon. We could do a five-hour show. On condiments. <laughs> okay, well, we're, we're right now. It's nine p.m. where you are. We're gonna have to start a lot earlier. Uh, okay. That, that day, you know, where we got a twelve-hour time difference. So we go six a.m. here, six p.m. You. We got that's a that's a balance. We'll go four hours on condiments. Uh, that'll be fun. Okay. I'm in. I know you're in. <laughs> and I love the olive pick. I put olives basically mm. on everything. It's just salt. It's literally it's yeah. salt. It's 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 great. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's time for a new segment here on No Buns. It's time for Obscure Historical Baseball Facts. Yeah, baby. We got a new sting. Check them all out here uh, on YouTube, the Athletic Baseball Show feed on YouTube. JD doing some work because we were discussing something off air. We were discussing some random historical stuff this week, Joel. You saw on Reddit there was – some strange stuff going on with DH use in the World Series in the 70s and the 80s. And we thought, what? That can't be true. We'll, <laughs> we'll get into that. And that got us talking about strange formats or rules that MLB has used. We'll talk about a few here. We're not going way back to the 1800s when it was an out if you caught a ball on a hop. Like, we're not we're not going crazy. Um, but let's let's talk about a few different formats here. First one. The DH was used in both ballparks during the World Series, but just in alternating years for a while. Strange stuff. This is weird. So when I think of the DH in the World Series, 
I think. DH in the AL park, pitchers hit in the NL park, done and done. And that's the way it was until the universal DH was adopted from 86 to 2021. But before that, just before that, when the AL adopted the DH in 73, MLB took a while to come up with what the World Series plans were for the DH. So 73 to 75, the World Series did not include a DH. Pitchers hit. Okay, so regular season, there was a DH in the AL, but World Series, nah, we're just going back to the way it was. But here's the real weird part. In 76, they wanted to throw the DH in there, but only during even-numbered years for a while. The DH would be used in all World Series games, both parks. But again, just in 76, 78, 80, 82, and 84. DH in both parks, and then 77, 79, 81, 83, 85. Only pitchers hit in both parks, and then they changed the rule in 86 to what we commonly know uh, as DH in AL parks and hitters in the NL parks. So you brought this to my attention, Joel. This is this is good stuff. I had no idea. This this seemed pretty weird. Did you have any idea? No. And I mean, I'm definitely not a a huge baseball historian, but I feel I know my stuff relatively well. And I had no idea. I came across this on Reddit. And yeah, like you said, we talked about it offline. A couple fun facts about this, because there's really not a lot of information about this because yeah, it didn't last long. It only lasted for five World Series. But Dan Dryson was the first to come to bat as a DH in the World Series. But uh, there was a runner on first base and he was thrown out. So the guy who actually got a pl- the first plate appearance went to Lou Pinella as the DH. I thought that was a little bit of a fun fact. That was um, I was reading that too. That was the Philly. He was with the Phillies. Phillies, yeah. yeah. Lou Pinella and with the Phillies. In- yeah, and in terms of overall wins, when I looked at this, so the National League won 15 World Series games, and they won three World Series during the span. The American League won 13 games, and they won two World Series. So, again, like small sample size, but that's pretty evenly split. I don't know where this was rooted in, if they wanted to make it more equal or more competitive between the teams. I'm not really sure. That was hard for me to find. But if it was, I mean, clearly it didn't really favor any team. I would have thought that, oh, because, you know, the AL can't use a a DH in certain years. Maybe it's a disadvantage, but not really. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. It was almost dead even. Okay, let's now move to a recent format change that I think we'll look back at and say, that was weird. Maybe not right right this second because it's kind of recent, but... From 03 and from 2003 to 2016, World Series home field advantage was given to the team from the league that won that year's All-Star game. I guess it doesn't feel weird now, but it's it. I don't know. Does it feel weird to you, Joel? No, it was weird. It was <laughs> it was bad and it, it was bad and it was weird. It was a knee jerk reaction to the fiasco in 2002 in Miller Park, Bud Selig's home team got booed at home <laughs> when the game ended in a 7-7 tie and baseball got dragged by the sports media and fans, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it was an embarrassment. So, you know, they thought, I think the tagline Fox said was like, this time it counts. That was their marketing material. And there was, I just want to read this quote from Selig. This was his justification. He said, this energizes it. This gives them something to play for. People pay a lot of money to see that game. They deserve to see the same intensity they they see all year long. Television people pay a lot of money for the game. 
It was not and should not be a meaningless exhibition game. I think that's just lip service. You know, that's more PR than anything. Him trying to sell this as being a meaningful game. I don't think fans really bought it. You know, people don't watch all-star games for the stipulations or because they want it to count. I I think they want to see a competitive game, but I think they just want to see their stars play next to each other and see the best players play. That's it. Whoever wins, wins. It's it's a meaningless game. But a digger deep into the numbers here, Tass, mm-hmm. uh, the American League won 11 of the 14 All-Star games played under this rule, and AL teams won the World Series eight times during the span. And oddly enough, from 2010 to 2012, the National League won three straight All-Star games, meaning they had home field advantage. And in those three years, the National League team won the World Series. So I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, this was a ridiculous rule that I think it was coming from a good place, but poor execution, not really needed. And I don't think anyone really liked it. And I'm glad that they scrapped it because it's just ridiculous. But I mean, I'll give them credit for like at least trying. I just think it went on for longer than they should. Initially, it was only going to be a two-year experiment, but they obviously... Uh, extended it out for longer than that. Yeah, I think they've got the right recipe now, which is home field advantage in the World Series goes to the team with the higher record. And even prior to this all-star experiment, it was just alternating leagues in terms of home field advantage in the World Series. Mm -hmm. One year it'd go to the American League, one year it'd go to the National League, which also ain't right. Uh, I think we're we're at the right spot now. And I think this is, you know, as we go through a few of these and we go through the rule changes and we go through you know, smaller bases and all that, it shows that MLB evolves with the mm-hmm. times. And yeah, this one, this one was way too long, 14 years uh, to figure out yeah. that, come on, uh, a meaningless game should not dictate who gets home field advantage. But it's known as a game that is for, you know, in, in general, um, as, a, as a general rule for older fans, that doesn't evolve, but it's obviously evolving here and uh you know trying to improve itself and it's working final one here which was a strange one as well from 59 to 62 there were two all-star games played each season the second game was added to raise money for the mlb's for mlb player pension funds as well as other causes but the experiment was later abandoned because uh it just turned down the appeal of the event two pointless games with largely the same rosters instead of one. I had Mm -hmm. no idea, Joel. Yeah. It, this one fizzled out as quickly as it came. Like you said, there was just basically a cash grab. It came down to money. They wanted more money for their pension funds. And like you said, it was the same roster. And when I was reading about this, basically the fans just almost immediately rejected it. They liked the concept of one all-star game to see like all their stars playing, but two just kind of took the shine off of it. And also the games were played very close to each other. 1959, the All-Star games were played 27 days apart. In 1960, they were actually played just two days apart. And in 61 and 62, they were played 20 days apart. So, yeah, nothing really positive to say. The only thing I can really think of, like, as a fan in terms of a silver lining to this is, you know, travel's much easier. Like, you can hop on a plane and you can be anywhere in the United States. The ease of travel is much easier. But back then, you know, if you're a baseball fan, if you're living in a certain part of the country, 
maybe you're not able to, you don't have those travel abilities at that time or the resources to do that. So having another all-star game during this very brief time, maybe gave fans a chance to see a player that they really liked that they would not otherwise have a chance to see in their hometown. That's the only really silver lining I can think about it. But yeah, it just seemed like a ridiculous idea. Fans rejected it pretty quickly. And uh, yeah, it kind of was DOA after that. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. That was fun. It was fun uh, going through the history of baseball because it's deep. So I'm sure we'll bring up some other obscure historical baseball facts and and bring up this segment again because it was a blast. But uh, let's end this show with a little tale. It's time for No Bunts Story Time. Another new segment. Little tale here. It was uh, pretty fun. Uh, in baseball this week, Giants TV broadcaster Dave Fleming usually calls games from the booth, but because he had such a poor performance in his fantasy league, uh, he was required to be the bat boy for a day. He got dressed in the Giants uniform, and he did it. <laughs> He's a 47-year-old man. He ain't a bat boy, but uh, he was out there. He gave it his all. Joel, this isn't a punishment, is it? Do you think it's? Would you consider it a punishment? The best punishment ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would, I don't, I don't play fantasy sports at all, but I mean, if I knew I was going to get dead last and that's what I had to do, I'd be like, all right, I'll suck up a season of fantasy to do it. But uh, yeah, it was pretty so you, cool. So you're saying you look- throw, you would throw a season. Yeah. I'm terrible at fantasy sports. Don't play them. I've tried twice bombed in both times. I'm like, that's it. I'm out. Uh, not for me, but yeah, if this was the punishment, sure. I think I'd suffer through a season uh, of fantasy, but he looked the part. He looked like he was having a great time. Was, I've never seen, yeah, concept or punishment like that. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, so this, I think we all agree, not much of a punishment. What's a good fantasy punishment? Well, Tass, I'm glad you asked because I've got three for you to choose from, and they're all baseball-related. All right, baby. Yeah, so okay. the, be- the best baseball-related fantasy punishments. Well, what do you got? Some of these... No, I'm not going to lie. 
Tass, I'm a bit cerebral. And I think I maybe <laughs> took it, took it to the next level with some of these. You've got to be brave. You've got to be brave okay. if you want to do this. So my first one is you need to do three laps around Yankee Stadium dressed in Jose Altuve's full uniform. And you just got to walk the concourse and you just got to take all that abuse from Yankees fans. I think that would be tough. I would not want to do that. Oh, that's a good one. Did you say, so you said, you said walk, you have to, you have to stroll. You can't like run. Yeah. No, no, no. You gotta, you gotta saunter. You gotta saunter. You gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta keep it under three to four kilometers, Tess. You gotta just take it all in, just go at a slow pace. And just take all that abuse from those Yankees fans. Oh, so I think Tass that would be a tough punishment. Tass has done this one. Oh, that's a good oh really? Yeah, he's he uh, when the Nets returned after Vince Carter quit on the, the Raptors, we he lost, uh, Tass lost a pick and payoff, and he had to walk around the outside the ACC at the time uh, wearing a Vince Carter. <laughs> Uh, oh, jersey cool. he wore it backwards so you could see carter and the number so he had to face all of the anger of the toronto fans and uh yeah he was he was extolling the virtues of vince carter and tass was very angry at vince at the time too i would think right tass? yeah 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 it's a different yeah. relationship uh you're right uh <laughs> now um now you yeah. use the you use the word quit on the raptors yep fair yeah that's a fair word yeah. uh and and Vince wouldn't say it, but you know he had had enough, and he was out of there. And yeah, I was I was sitting there, got slapped by one person. Yep, <laughs> we may have asked that person to do a little slap. Well, she put a little mustard, oh, wow. uh, pardon the pun. Yes, behind it. But um, but we're talking about Canadians here, so it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. Yeah, the New Yorker aspect. Yeah, all, yeah, I would be getting lots of <laughs> literal mustard. Hey, let's say it was. Being, yeah, yeah, you you. You get hit by something. You get hit by a dog. You get hit by a yeah. Zone. Yeah, you got to be brave. You got you got to be brave. <laughs> and you know, Tass, your punishment that kind of is a perfect segue into my second punishment. So you said JD said you did this outside the ACC with a Vince Carter jersey. Yep. So my second punishment is outside of an A's game. You have to hand out flyers to A's fans oh. saying John Fisher was right to sell the team. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's brutal. Absolutely yeah. brutal. I want it to be brutal. I want it to be <laughs> uncomfortable. And the third one is just more of a, an uncomfortable eating challenge, but you have to eat two boomstick dogs. They serve them at the Texas Rangers games. They're, I don't know the exact length, but they're like massive hot dogs that you share. So you'd have to eat two boomstick dogs in a nine inning game. Uh, yeah, doesn't sound as bad. I I know I don't know how long they are, if we're talking six footers, but it doesn't sound as bad as telling a franchise that it was right. Your team should have been out of here. That sounds way worse than listen. Uh, I th- uh, boomstick. Yeah, they, it would it would go boom in a different way. Uh, it's several <laughs> hours later, it wouldn't be good. But yeah, I'd rather I'd rather go with my digestive tract than try and deal okay. with A's fans. That that is brutal. I thought you were gonna say like you could take it to another another level, like dress in, you know, some sort of Vegas gear or something like that. Uh to oh, Tass, I like it. You you evil you evil <laughs> man you taking it up a notch. Yeah. Um yeah, like a a blackjack dealer's garb or something, you know, like or roulette yeah. dealer. 
uh, <laughs> or one oh. of the showgirls. Showgirls, yeah. yeah. Well, as as oh, we've man. also done, we've also done on our basketball <laughs> yeah. show. Uh, so yeah, that's that sounds brutal. There was, um, and just while we're on the topic too, I saw this video recently um, on the the show Impractical Impractical Jokers. Oh, based and based was... in our hometown here in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, is it really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there was a segment where, uh, Joe, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the premise of the show. I don't watch it. I just saw the clip, but anyway, this guy named Joe, he had, he had to, he was at a Mets game and they said, you need to catch like Noah Syndergaard is going to sign balls and throw them in to the crowd. Like at kids, you have to jump in and and grab as many as you can and just take all the abuse. And (laughs) He took this one girl's daughter. He's like, oh, just give me your daughter and like, I'll get a ball from him. No problem. And he and obviously Syndergaard throws one up and he gives the daughter back and takes the ball and leaves. And the mom chases him down and starts screaming at him. And they're all like on the headset, tell them what to say. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm a big Derek Jeter fan. And they're at a Mets game. And like, I was crying laughing, but that would have been a pretty good, I feel, fantasy punishment to do something like that. That'd be great. Um, sounds hard to pull off when you're thinking about TV production, um, <laughs> but I guess they could they could do it. Uh, those jokers, they've been joking for a long time. Uh, they know what's up. It's, that's like a decade running for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Sal, Joe, Murr, <laughs> Q, they've been killing it. Uh, yeah, we, uh, Jared, our man Jared, who was on No Bunce last year, as a as a Braves fan, telling us why the Braves were were gonna go back to back with World Series titles, he is the biggest Impractical Jokers fan in the history of Impractical him. Jokers. He'll just put it on in the background, like he'll just have it on at all times. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a great show. Respect the the here's, prim- a, here's a guy eating a boomstick. By the way, okay, it's so two feet long. It looks like there's chili and onions on it and cheese. Oh, so two of those. Man. I don't know, Tess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that looks longer than two feet, but I guess it's it's just maybe it's the as the we're angle, watching here on yeah. YouTube, yeah, the angle we're looking down the barrel of a, the dog here, and <laughs> that's a beast. <laughs> we're on the opposite side of the lady and the tramp. We're about to <laughs> yeah. <that> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not fun. All that meat on it, like meat on the all meat. the green olives, all the green olives aren't going to save that pass. No way. <laughs> Uh, you you took your boomstick and you knocked that segment out of the park, Joel. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> let us know uh, on the Bleacher Creatures or any on any of our social media platforms. What's the worst fantasy punishment? Is it getting into Yankee Stadium with an Altuve, the Altuve gear, and just taking it from those nasty nasty Yankee fans? Is it stepping outside the Oakland A's Coliseum and telling them it was right for your owner to take your team? Ugh. Or uh, eating two boomsticks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. The three different categories, um, three three different types of punishment. Great gotta stuff. Got to mix Joel. it up. You got to mix it up. Well done. Well done. That's why you are cerebral, my man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Great stuff. And you want to see other uh, cerebral ideas from Joel? Check out our social media page on Instagram. No underscore bunts. Uh, you've been rocking it lately, Joel. Make sure to check out the Athletic Baseball Show YouTube channel where we stream live every Wednesday morning, usually at 8.15 Eastern. 
or check us out on the Athletic Baseball Show podcast feed wherever you get your pods, theathletic.com slash baseball show or theathletic.com slash no dunks for great deals for the best sports writing in the world. We'll see you next Wednesday for JD, for Joel. I'm Tess. We'll see you then.